no matter how technology evolves, we got to ride that wave and we got to figure out how these strategies are going to keep working in these different platforms because the user experience may differ, but the user is never going to differ from how they're like wanting to get that content served to them or what's going to resonate with them. Welcome to Making the Brand, the podcast where marketing and pop culture collide. I'm your host, Brianne Fleming. I can't wait to chat about brands, boy bands, and everything in between. Because brands who have a pulse on pop culture can create adoring fans of their own. Welcome back to the Making the Brand podcast. Today's guest and I have a lot in common because we both teach communications, we both love pop culture, and we're both constantly on Twitter, which is where we connected. Please join me in welcoming Kate Stewart. She is the assistant professor of PR at Jacksonville State University in Alabama. Welcome, Kate. Thank you, Brianne. It's so great to be here. Also, as you were doing that intro, I noticed that you have the happy place behind you on your book stand. (laughs) And it's on my list to read. And do you know where I got that recommendation? TikTok of all places. Of course, book talk. I will admit this this book was a gift. I haven't dove into it yet, but I do love the the pop of color back there. So shout out to my friend Danielle who gifted that to me. Maybe we can start a book club you and I and just read it together. Even if it's just us two, we can hold each other accountable, but I've I've heard good things. (laughs) Too funny. Well, Kate, first, I want to thank you so much for all your kind words and support of this little podcast, this little passion project. You mentioned that you even share it with your students as required listening sometimes, and that just means the world. So shout out to your class as well, if they're listening. Oh, they will be. They will be. JSU students represent. They're they're strong listeners of making the brand podcast. I love it. Thank all of you for the support. So I'm curious, though, I want to hear more about your courses. What exactly do you teach? And is it an undergrad program? And is it in person? Is it online? What's the what's the cadence of it? Tell us more. Yeah, of course. So I get the opportunity to be super creative in my approach with how we teach our undergrad courses here at JSU. So our communication program is undergraduate only at the moment. And it's a communication degree with three separate concentrations, digital journalism, digital media production, and then PR and ad. So though I'm an assistant professor of PR, Since a lot of my agency work revolves around creative, I get the pleasure of also teaching some of our DJ and DMP students in our more creative-based like multimedia design and production courses. So I have a lot of fun with that as well, trying to teach them to be content creators because no matter if you want to be a reporter or work at a PR and ad agency, you got to know how to pull out your phone and grab the content when needed. Or use the professional materials like the camera kits and everything we have. So that's really awesome. And in the fall, actually, I am teaching a podcasting class. So you will be one of our guest speakers, though you don't know that yet. (laughs) I would love to sign me up. That's going to be so fun. Oh, Um, yes. So teaching social media strategy, teaching our intro to mass comm course, social media strategies, 
kind of factors into our digital analytics course and more PR specific classes. So I'm kind of all over the place, but I love having that kind of range. In the fall, I got to teach a lot of electives, one being entertainment and media, where we talked about pop culture every day. But I feel like it's important to incorporate pop culture every chance we get, because that's a lot of the quote unquote news that our students are digesting every day in their media. And so being able to connect with them in the way that makes sense in regards to the topics they know well is going to resonate with them better than sometimes political examples or more hard news examples, even though I incorporate those as well. Yeah. It's great to have that balance. I've always thought, even in my courses, that it's not just Fortune 500 companies that we can learn from. It's also your favorite musicians and TV shows, all of these things that need to be promoted. And like you said, it not only resonates more, but rule number one of marketing and communications and social Mm -hmm. media is to know your audience. And Mm -hmm. you know that, but I think to know your audience is to know pop culture. Yeah. Your audience is determining what's popular. It's what's current. It's what is the the heartbeat and the pulse of of what the public is is saying and what's trending. So it's not only that it resonates more, but it's also very relevant. So Yeah, I I love that approach. And I love that you are doing that with your students. So I kind of fell into teaching, but you have had this amazing path and experience in academics. So I'm curious if you could tell us more about your career path leading to where you are today and your position at JSU. Yeah, of course. So I got my undergrad at Auburn. I actually wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon. Let's just LOL at that for one moment. (laughs) It was only a semester. It was brief. And then everyone was like, you're a talker. Why don't you want to talk to people? And I was like, I do. I want to help people. So that's what I did. I went into public relations to find ways of helping people. And then during my junior year, of our undergrad program, I actually got brought on full-time at a boutique agency in the Auburn Opelika area. Mm -hmm. I was an intern there for two semesters and then they needed someone full-time. And so I was running the social media end of our business for seven to nine clients, still in school, being PRSSA president and all of the things while at Auburn. And then I had a professor come up to me at the end of my fall semester senior year and we had to do this assignment in class where we had to present a social media tool because it was social media strategies at the time at Auburn and I presented my tool and I had like a little workshop activity that we did together and (laughs) I went very above and beyond (laughs) and she goes you're very good at this do you want to do this and I was like be a teacher I'm not like old I don't think I can do that and um (laughs) After the fact, I learned how old she was, and I felt very embarrassed that I made that comment. (laughs) Probably the age we are now, right? Yeah, yeah. And she was like, no, 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 there's no age restrictions. Like, you've had jobs in the agency world, and you're going to stay with them. You could get your master's here, and then you could eventually get your PhD. So I stayed on at that agency during my time at Auburn, and I got my master's. And then after my master's, I was like, COVID is happening. Oh gosh. I had agency jobs coming out of undergrad. I had agency jobs like based in Atlanta and I decided to go to grad school. And so then I was at this crossroads again. Do I keep going to grad school or do I take the agency job, get a few years underneath my belt there and then maybe apply to a PhD program? And 
I decided to just apply to PhD programs and I got into all of them. And I said, okay, God, I got it. You want me to go to school? (laughs) You had a big decision to make after that. I had to choose where to go. I went where they gave me the most money, if we're being honest, because free education is the best kind of education that you can get. And so I got a full ride offer and a GA position at South Carolina. So I got my PhD from there. I actually, in two months, will be, yeah, in two months, I will be Dr. Kate Stewart. So, oh, okay. Maybe we'll, we'll hold off on publishing this episode. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll update it to Dr. Kate. It's I so smooth that we're just, the <laughs> dissertation defense is looming, but yes, all the coursework's been done. Thank you. So that's exciting. But while I was actually at South Carolina, I ended up working in nonprofit PR. And so during my three years there, I also got three years working as a director of communication and programming for this nonprofit that helps tech startups that's connected to the university while at South Carolina. So I have like over six years of industry experience while also going through my education straight through. Yeah, but I like to be busy. Yeah, and the pandemic. Now, well, we try not to talk about it. Like that yeah. was weird and awkward and no one liked it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, that is all so impressive. Again, congratulations and keep me posted um, when you become Dr. Kate. That is so exciting. (laughs) And I'm so happy to have your perspective here on, on the podcast because as you know, something we battle all the time is that people sometimes question the idea that social media can be taught in a classroom, right? Mm -hmm. They think it's evolving every single day and that's absolutely true, but I've heard People even saying like, how is there even a a textbook for a social media course? Like, isn't it obsolete by tomorrow? So I know I have some personal uh, defenses of this and why I think social media can be taught, but I would love to hear your perspective and what you would say to someone who thinks a course in social media doesn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah. So I'm actually on the, I'm on your side of the fence with this. I think we should have full on degrees in social media because there are so many different things that we can teach when it comes to this industry that has kind of taken over all different types of sectors because social media is now basically in every industry that exists. But I actually run my classrooms as we would run an agency. They get assigned their clients and we have client check-ins we have the assignments and how they're mapped out through the semester. And it's done in the same fashion that if I was still working at an agency and they were my interns, that I would map it out with them. I did a lot of paying attention to what it was like when I did have interns when I worked at the agency and consulting with a lot of current professionals that are in the social media world to come up with that setup. Um, I wouldn't say it's revolutionary. I hope other people that teach social media are doing the same thing. But it is by nature different. I I can't really set up other classes in that form or fashion. I also, I don't use a textbook for my social media class. But like Karen Freeberg's textbook is amazing and has yeah. awesome resources. I just haven't incorporated that yet. We are a regional access university. So I try to cut down on costs like books, especially if we're buying like programming for the class as well and things like that. So that's more of like a cost perspective. And I've also just found a good bit of resources that are free, like 
making the brand podcast (laughs) to be able to get them learning in different ways. Like if they can listen to a podcast and that's going to tell them more than a book chapter will because it's current and because it's more relatable because it's two people talking about a specific example. I have no qualms assigning that, you know what I mean? Or reading an industry blog that's going to let them know what is an agency currently doing with a similar travel or tourism client if their client is travel and tourism based. So it does take extra time on my end because I've now taught this three semesters and I have never duplicated (laughs) my lessons that I give them because I'm constantly updating it. So I will say it's not for the faint of heart in that regard, Mm -hmm. but I enjoy doing it because I enjoy staying current with social media because it's my responsibility to make sure when they leave that classroom not only do I feel confident that they could manage and come up with strategies and come up with content and create that content and publish it in a manner that's engaging and fruitful for a client, but they also feel confident in those ways. You know what I mean? Yeah. I love your approach. I want to talk more about your teaching style and and how you communicate all of these concepts and how you make sure your students are engaged and having fun along the way. But yes, definitely shout out to Dr. Karen Freeberg. She has an amazing textbook. She is like the ringleader of all of the social media (laughs) uh, professors across the country. But I agree with you. And I I know social media is so fast paced. It's constantly changing. But I always like to say we're teaching more about people than Mm -hmm. actual platforms. Like our courses are not, you know, click here, upload this way. Like, you know, it's, it's more about how people think it's more about behavior. It's more about what's going to spark engagement and conversation and a little less about the tactics. Those tactics are important, but if Instagram moves a button somewhere else, like those types of changes will happen, but the psychology of, of human behavior and sociology, all of those principles really stay the same and it's a a big part of it. So I absolutely love that. So let's talk more about your teaching style. How would you describe it? You, I know you teach in person, which I think yeah. is is a whole other uh, beast. I teach online, and it's it's very See, different. That's a beast to me. I I, <laughs> I don't think I would do good at that. I like just like PR likes it in general. I like the personal connection. I like seeing them face to face and building those relationships face to face. And though. I was really good at doing that for a brand on social media. I don't think as a professor, I'd be very good at that doing it in an online setting. I actually have an online class this semester because our semesters that we have a four course load, they try to put one of them online. Oh, okay. And I feel like I have a disconnect with those students. Like, I feel like I'm not serving them as well as I could. I'm also new to this. Like, this is my first year being an assistant professor. So I know by no means know the ropes of it all. And I could probably learn some tips from you on it. But they're also asynchronous. (laughs) No, I'm sure I could. (laughs) They're also asynchronous. So it's like other than them listening to me talking to this mic on a video once a week, there's really no like interaction. So I just find that difficult. But in person, my students would describe my teaching as interactive because I'm walking around, I'm hands on with them. I have an intro to mass class, which I remember taking the intro to mass and sitting there for an hour 
three times a week, being bored out of my mind about what history lesson I was learning for the day. I should have paid way more attention than I probably did. (laughs) Now I'm like, I'm not doing that to my students. I'm going to find a way to make this interesting. So we have three class periods a week for an hour. And one of those is normally some form of lecture. And even in my lectures, I try to incorporate like blog post clips or video clips or podcast clips. So it's just not me standing there talking the whole time. And I integrate questions for them to have part of discussion, of course. But then the other two days, one's an interactive activity where they get to get hands-on and use a current 2024 example of what's happening and put it into context of what we're learning. And then the third day is normally a guest speaker that we have that's from that area of the industry to come talk to them about what their day in the life is like, ask any questions, how do you get to the place that you are, if it's a job they're interested in, things like that. Good for you. That is great for a variety. And I feel like they're really lucky to have you. And it's one thing to strive to be interactive, but for you to to know that your students see you that way and and see your class that way, that is really special. So congrats on that. Thank you. I just did midterm evaluation. So I'm quoting them. Oh, okay. Perfect. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I love it. And, you know, I feel like with teaching, it's these days, it's it's about combining education and entertainment. It's not just yeah. disseminating the information, but how can you package it in a way that is entertaining and interesting? And I feel like your approach definitely accomplishes that. So, well, I don't want to be bored myself. Yeah, <laughs> that too. It's really <laughs> just selfish reasons. We yeah. <laughs> we love pop culture and boy bands and fun things, so we're going to talk about it and hope. Hope that it sticks with them too. Right? Exactly. A millennial after their sweet Gen Z hearts to yes. inform them of what the 90s was actually yes. like. Yes, that's really our mission. That's that's all it, <laughs> what life is about. <laughs> I love it. So I know we both love pop culture and incorporating that into the classroom. Did you have a certain breakthrough when you knew that you wanted to to do that? When you knew you wanted to kind of deviate from, you know what is maybe expected when it comes to academics and and incorporate some of those fun examples? I started naturally doing it. When I was even in my master's program and they would ask me to teach. So I'd shadow a class and then I'd teach one lesson out of the semester. And then in my PhD program, I would start co-teaching and then I would eventually have my own classes. And one thing all my professors noticed that would have to like, shadow me like be partnered with me was you use very current examples like some as of 24 hours ago and it's because I am chronically online yes I am chronically (laughs) aware of what's happening Mm -hmm. for better or worse um when it comes to the state of the union of pop culture and so I think in my head it just made it so easy since it's what I'm consuming yeah who make those natural connections to like very dense PR theories or very dense strategies and tactics. Okay, well, here's an example that I know is trending on TikTok. So you have all seen this. And yeah. then having that light bulb moment of, oh, that's what that was. Like the lash gate for Michaela. I talked about that in every single class because <laughs> it was currently happening. They all knew about it. They were like, 
Professor Kate, like, what is this? And I'm like, let's talk about it. Let's talk about how in a commercial it is fine for them to use fake lashes. But when an influencer uses fake lashes, it's not okay. There, there's a reason for that. Yes. Um, And so, yeah, it just came to me so naturally. And in my mind, it was fun to me. So I thought it would be fun to the students. And a lot of times now I'll have past students come back as guest speakers or they'll just like connect with me on LinkedIn to give me updates and stuff. And they'll be like, I'll never forget that one day that you used like Jamie Foxx's apology in class to explain <laughs> this theory. And I just had to create an apology for my client and I knew what not to do. <laughs> yes. Celebrities will often tell us what not to do. They <laughs> the screenshot of the phone note always. Yes. yes. In fact, there is a making the brand episode all about that. There so is apologies with Beth Booker. So bookmark that and check it out. I know you probably listen to it. So thank I you. <laughs> I am up to date on my listening. Yes. And I also you. prepped for this podcast yesterday by listening to all old episodes. Oh gosh. <laughs> I don't want to know. <laughs> Oh my gosh, the evolution of, of this show. I'm sure I would cringe if I were to, to go. No, it's been so an, a beautiful journey and Thank I love you. watching it or listening to it, I guess. And watching. Thank you so much. Well, to your point, I love how current you are. I love that you bring these current events into the classroom. And I don't think it's just just to make it fun. I think the best social media professionals are also kind of news junkies. They're genuinely interested in what's going on in the world. They're genuinely interested in seeing breaking headlines and just keeping up. And I think you really have to because there's mm-hmm. there's such a, a climate around what we do and understanding when something could be, you know, not the best time <laughs> because yeah. of, of the culture that's happening to know your timing of posts and when to pivot and, and what, you know, what the overall sentiment of uh, the public is at any given moment. So... I've always kind of been a news geek and I I think it benefits this field as well to have that kind of mentality. So there are three S's that I teach in every single class, no matter the class I teach. It's strategy, storytelling, and society. Oh know how to connect those three, which means you need to be current in those three areas to be able to best represent your client. That is awesome. I love a little nugget or a little like mnemonic <laughs> device like that. That is great. So I know you mentioned Jamie Foxx and the Lashgate, all these other things happening. So have there been any other notable pop culture moments that you've brought into the classroom that have stood out and been memorable for both you and your students? Yeah. So I'll start by explaining an assignment I do. I, I'm doing it in ethics this semester and I did it last semester in entertainment and media where every day a different student was assigned and they had to bring in a current news article about something happening in society or pop culture. They could find it on Twitter, TikTok, any social platform, Instagram. I didn't have like a qualm as long as it came from a reputable source. Of course, not the onion. We all know that's not true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> happened a couple of times. So I had to put the warning out there. Of, okay, now we're going to have a lesson on reputable news sources, even yes. for entertainment. But with that assignment, And I tweaked it some for ethics for them to think of like, what's an ethical concern or ethical issue that could come from said thing happening? 
And that made them learn from each other. It also helped me figure out what are they interested in because mm-hmm. I learned a lot more people are interested in the gaming world, which you were, this is also an older podcast, but your podcast with the guy about Twitch helped me immensely because oh. I am behind the curve with Twitch. And I was like, everyone yeah. is talking about this and I'm confused. <laughs> uh, Shout out to Joe Chuck Norris. Yes, Yes. great guest. (laughs) And also just like them connecting to things that are interesting to them. But I mean, some examples we've used in the past, we looked at Lizzo when she was accused by her dancers of the recent allegations. We looked at how her and her team was responding to that from the legal standpoint, but also her online presence during that time. We looked at Roseanne. That's kind of an older example. And Kevin Spacey, that's an older example. And a lot of my females in the class will point out, well, when we're talking about the movie industry, why is there so much that comes out around the Me Too movement even so far after the movement? And I'm like, because Hollywood isn't rainbow and sunshine. Like, it's one thing that we as outsiders don't really see inside until these allegations or until things come out. Um, So sometimes we get very intimate with our conversations about the personal side of things and how it affects Mm -hmm. them, which I think when we bring pop culture into the classroom, it also makes our classrooms, we instantly become more relatable to them. Mm -hmm. Like if I know a TikToker that they're interested in, they're immediately now like, closer to me yes some way now you've earned their respect but they don't care about the letters behind my name <laughs> but it is to them it, it makes it make sense and like we talk a lot about the divorces and like how people make divorce statements so one we looked at recently was joe and sophie and like the allegations and the legal suits that they were having against each other and how that played out in media. That's another interesting thing we like to compare is how is media playing out the story compared to how the people in their online presence is playing out the story. Yes. Yes. That was a big one. Yeah. <laughs> we have another, not to keep plugging the show, but we have another podcast episode yes. just, about, <laughs> just about celebrity divorces where we had a divorce lawyer on. So these are such fascinating topics. I love that you bring them into the classroom. Have you found that even older examples, maybe from different generations, have you found that they still resonate with your students and that they appreciate, or is it only hypercurrent, you know, TikTok Gen Z examples? I like to compare it because it shows them why it's important for us to know history and not only in regards of the textbook history, because Mm -hmm. a lot of things are very repeated, repetitive. So we had Taylor Swift, which I don't know if you know this. I am a certified Swiftie. <laughs> I saw her on May 5th when she announced Speak Now in Nashville and I died inside. Oh um, and I, I left that stadium as a brand new person. Like yeah. That was my fourth <laughs> time seeing her in person, yeah. but I was so close. Like I, oh, it was a spiritual, right. it was a spiritual moment, but <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a thing. And so my students know that they know I'm the resident Swiftie. Yes. So they like when I use Taylor Swift as an example, because that is a current example. But then I like to connect it to other examples 
as even as old as Elvis Presley and the Beatles to make these points come across that this isn't the first time it's being done. If it's the first time it's being done by a woman, that's important, but that's important for a completely different reason than what we're focusing on. So when we're looking at strategies, I do try to, especially with TikTok being such a new landscape, I like to bring back Vine and Musical.ly and even the start of YouTube for YouTube creators for them to make this connection of no matter how technology evolves, we got to ride that wave and we got to figure out how these strategies are going to keep working in these different platforms because the user experience may differ, but the user is never going to differ from how they're like wanting to get that content served to them or what's going to resonate with them. Yeah. And we've seen TikTok even, you know, bring a, a resurgence to so many songs that are older yeah. because different trends that have kicked off. Like I can't think of oh, running running up that hill. Yeah. From Stranger By, Things. Yep. Yeah. Kate made Hill. A- Kite Hill. Kate Hill. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. About that in class too, because they were all like Stranger Things fans. And I was like, oh, we should do the I like to do TikTok trends with my students. <laughs> I will sometimes when they're on board, we will recreate some dance trends or some trends that are happening. So fun. (laughs) And I love that TikTok can make what's old, new and cool again. So it's it's fun to see those full circle moments and things come back from the 80s and 90s and even beyond that. So yeah, so fun. Well, I love pop culture and I, I think it's powerful in the classroom because it's I think it's a, a unifier and it can make a concept that is originally unfamiliar to you. You now have a point of reference in a way that brings you in because it's familiar because it's a celebrity that you like or a musician you listen to or, or what have you. And you kind of touched on this. How do you personally stay current as far as what's trending, as far as what society is talking about? How do you stay up to date on events in pop culture? Yeah. So other than being chronically online, there are some key people that it's very helpful to follow to be aware of this. The very first thing I do every morning is I open Snapchat, which I know, Snapchat, and I watch the E! News briefing with Aaron Lim. I love that. It's like (laughs) my favorite. It's a short thing. It's very concise. It's very to the point. Makes it easy for me to like get everything I need. Yeah, I love the Common Spy Celebs podcast for updated pop culture stuff. I love Chicks in the Office for updated pop culture podcasts because it's so easy to listen to things and do other things. But I also have a very long list of things that I share with my students. And I did write them down because <laughs> I didn't want to forget anyone. Please, <laughs> um, yes. Because I have in all of my Canvas modules, and I update this regularly through the semester, of resources that they should be looking at if they want to know more about social media, public relations, influencers. And so I wrote down some of those things so I could share them. But the In Case You Missed It newsletter, which is kind of new, by Laya Haberman. Love that newsletter because she does a beautiful marrying of pop culture and PR social media strategies. Like, if you haven't read it, give it a read. Brie Reynolds... I love her on LinkedIn, but her podcast is new. So it's called How I Posted This. Great podcast. She's only had a couple of episodes, but 
she is also marrying like understand talking to these real people that work in social media and say how do you stay up to the trends and like give us some good examples of this which is helpful of course this podcast because (laughs) homemade social is my favorite agency like becca booker if i could give her ceo of the year like she would get it she's amazing homemade social does an amazing job at staying on top of the game when it comes to social media and their employees that also write their blogs explain the like behind the scenes so well so following them on instagram and following their blog post highly recommend girl boss town on tiktok the gbt approved i love it i'm here for it like i'm like wish i would have came up with that that's amazing (laughs) she gives it from the TikTok perspective, but she looks at various brands and how various people could be used. I like Social Cat for influencer insights and updates with influencers. I research influencers, so I feel like I personally follow all of them to like keep up with whatever is happening, but it's nice to get it from the analytical. They look more at the analytical of it all. And then I really love Girl Power Marketing by Annie Mae. Yes. Every Wednesday, her Twitter feed of how these platforms are changing and why they're changing it on us. She's doing the Lord's work. It's very helpful, very amazing. And then for my students that lean more traditional, I tell them to listen to Talking Points, which is powered by the Plank Center. And that's also a podcast that talks to people in the field of PR and how they've gotten to where they are today and what advice they have to students to also get to where they are, which is what a lot of my guest speakers are set up as. So that connection makes sense in my classroom. Yeah. Wow. Those are A-plus resources. I I know you keep them in Canvas, but it would also be so generous if you had a Twitter thread or something where you plugged all of this in your spare time. I (laughs) I need to make a Twitter thread and I also need to make a blog post on my website because... I could easily just copy and paste them from my canvas and put them in. Oh, very true. The blog posts. Because um, I have effort. links to them and everything. Yeah. I'll, I'll make an effort to link as many as I can in the um, description here. But again, great job just collecting all of that. Those I've, I've heard of some of them, but I'm going to have to yeah. check out a few of them. So thank you. One thing we have to talk about is stigmas in the social media industry especially since you are shaping the the next wave of social media professionals. I think there's a lot of stigmas and misunderstandings and things that we're up against that it's our job to kind of help combat these, these stigmas and perceptions. So can you speak to the value of internships and also just address this ongoing joke in our industry that interns, there's an intern behind every social media account, one, which isn't true, but also interns deserve a little more credit because interns are incredible and their perspectives are valuable. So can we show some love to interns and also just speak to that internship trope that we're faced with and how do we how do we go about that? Yeah, I I don't know who came up with this and why it is such a trope, but it's almost like it affects our industry more than it's not like people look at finance interns and they're like they're not a finance bro yet. So they don't exactly know what's going on. Like, no, they're treated the same. So not sure why that continues to kind of like fall on our field more than others. Like I had five internships in undergrad because 
when I switched my major freshman year, I was like, okay, I'm going to make sure, make sure I like this. <laughs> so yeah. I don't have to change again. So that first summer I had my first internship and by the time I had that full-time role, that was my fifth internship that turned into the job. And that is the goal. The goal is for your last internship in college to turn into a full-time gig and that you like it there. I always, always, always stress, even to my freshmen and sophomores in my intro to MassCom class, to take an internship as soon as you can and to do as many internships as possible for you to figure out what you like and what you don't like. You might not like the entertainment industry. You might not like the travel and tourism industry. Like You need to figure out what sector within our field is most interesting to you so you wake up every day loving what you're, you get to work on or the clients you get to work with. Yeah. And it is a learned behavior. It's not something you're going to know overnight kind of thing. You have to be in the role working it. I've never had an intern go get coffee for me. Like that's at my agency and the nonprofit. I had interns work underneath me every semester and never ever was that a thing. Normally I was buying them coffee. I was like, thank you for being present and like coming to this client with great ideas and being yeah fruitful in the conversation like you're getting paid but i'm still gonna pay for your coffee <laughs> it's, we're yeah. all fueled by caffeine <laughs> i am lorelei gilmore give me coffee in an id at all times <laughs> so, yeah. that is that is just one thing that i that fascinates me i also hate unpaid internships like i mm -hmm. am firmly against them so i go above and beyond when a student comes to me and they're like i really like this internship but i can't pay to live in chicago and then get paid 0.00 dollars for the work i'm doing when they're going to be attending client meetings and coming up with strategies and working on campaigns and coming up with content like businesses companies corporations pay our interns <laughs> They need it. And so I worked really hard to then find them an internship in the field that is paid, that is going to also have those same tasks or work with those same type of clients because I find that so important because I want them to have those opportunities without extra stresses. Like they're in their early 20s that they're stressed about a thousand other things. I don't want them to be financially stressed on top of trying to figure out what they're going to do with their life. But there is kind of like this negative connotation of like, well, school's first. School is first, but you do also still have summers. You do also have part-time internships during the school year. You do have to work on time management and figure out how your social life plays into it. But you're going to struggle with work-life balance for the rest of your life. So Start now. Yeah. <laughs> start figuring that out now. But yeah, I, I start preaching it at a very quick start. And I've had freshmen already meet with me saying, I want a summer internship. Please help me because I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And one thing about me, I love a personal brand. So I will for mm -hmm. sure meet with, and I teach personal branding in all of my classes because Must. the beauty of a logo and a family Ooh. and that resume that matches your digital portfolio that oh. matches your LinkedIn like perfection digital or physical business card it's gonna be seamless and it's gonna be beautiful and that's what makes my heart sing so mm -hmm. I will sit down with them for three hours or longer to make sure <laughs> that yeah. they feel confident in their personal branding materials because 
it does matter. Like when those hiring people see that and say, okay, like they have some student involvement work, like we could make these skills interchangeable to the tasks they're going to be working on, or we see their projects they've done in their coursework, and this makes sense to projects they would do with us. But a lot of times students don't ask for that help. So I'm also pleading, students listening, ask for the help. We want to help you. Yeah. <laughs> me. DM me on Twitter at the Kate Stewart or X. Sorry, X. Um, <laughs> I will help you. <laughs> that is so generous. Again, you are truly setting your students up for success. And maybe not just your students, maybe just random people listening. Yeah. That- I get some TMs from right now. Yeah. <laughs> I have kind of mentees deal. that are of all ages. I don't yeah. discriminate. Like I want to help anyone get their dream job because yeah. at the end of the day, I got very lucky at the age of 27 to land my dream job. So yeah. now it's my task for the rest of my life to help everyone else get the joy that I get in the mornings. You're paying it forward. And you'd be surprised. I mean, so many jobs and internships, all of these things are competitive, but it is just incredible how the competition can be weeded out just by going through those few extra steps to have a portfolio set up that isn't just linking to your Instagram and expecting an employer to to sift through that and find all of your work. It's just package and present yourself with a tad more professionalism that maybe 80% of applicants aren't doing. Like That's already going to give you the leg up. So I'm so happy to hear that you're reinforcing that. And also, if you're asking your interns to get you coffee, that is just such a waste of talent because interns... I I always say no matter what your experience is, whether you're entry-level, whether you're an intern whether you're a CEO, like every perspective is valuable. Everyone mm-hmm. is going to bring something different to the table or see things differently and all ideas are worthy. So if you are an intern or if you are a student listening to this and you hesitate to publish your thoughts or to critique a campaign or to, to share anything online because you feel like you don't have the clout or experience yet to have an opinion that is just not true. Start sharing your opinion because it's probably worth hearing. You probably have something interesting to say. So thank you, like I said, for for reinforcing that. Oh, 100%. And the people that go on line and say, oh, this must have been an intern or like, I can't believe they posted this. This has to be an intern. No, that is probably a team of people making the decision to make those tweets happen or make those Instagram stories become a thing. So that's also just like downgrading the amount of time and effort that goes into creating a social media content calendar. And you've already done a competitor's analysis and an audit before that to be able to even make it to the calendar step to then go out and create the content and connect all of these to campaigns that are happening. So yeah, yeah, I I major eye roll every time I see that comment online. Yeah, well, we're here to to turn it around and to change that that perspective. That perspective. So thank you, <laughs> thank you for that. Another thing I want to discuss is just the fact that truly anyone can do social media. Pretty much everyone has an account these days, and I'm sure you're in alignment with this. I mean, I believe that everyone can do social media, but not everyone can do it well. So, what would you say to someone who doesn't see value in real professional social media training? And what do you think separates amateurs from the professionals? 
Yeah, so I I actually feel like those amateurs are the ones that give us the bad rap. Like, even as someone that's an academic who researches social media and influencers, it takes me longer to get people on board with my research because they see it as kind of a throwaway thing or they just see it as something fun um, when it's not a part-time hobby. Like this is something that's affecting how consumers buy products. This is affecting how our students learn and engage with media. So that's why it's important. But also because you have the idea that, oh, if anyone can set up a platform, anyone can do it. True. But again, let's go back to the three S's strategy, storytelling, and society, they might get one of those. They may even get two of those. They might be really great, effective storytellers, Mm -hmm. but they might not know how to connect with their audience, or they might not understand the tools and strategies to use on the platforms to do that best. And that's where the education piece comes into it. You get this holistic view with good and bad examples to then learn from. And I always tell my students, learn from other people's mistakes, but also learn from what they've done well. Because you then want to find ways to replicate what they've done well in ways that make sense for your client or your story or your audience. And then don't ever do the bad stuff. Just never. Not your And being that aware, I think, amateurs or just like casual users of social platforms also don't fully understand because I sadly don't leisurely consume social media anymore. Mm -hmm. A research idea is popping into my head. An example of how to connect it to a class is happening in my head. Oh, that's a really good tactic that they're playing off as not a tactic. I need to write that down. Like I don't aimlessly or mindlessly consume this media anymore and that's when the shift happens because I noticed it in my senior year of undergrad when I had been in that full-time role working at that agency and I was getting these ideas in my sleep and in the shower always keep a notepad by your desk (laughs) (laughs) and always use your voice notes if ideas come to you in the shower because they are fleeting and (laughs) it's always in the shower or driving for some reason for me right before i fall asleep and those ideas mean something like those ideas could be the million dollar ticket to bringing your engagement up by 200 percent like it could be something insane and I, I hate the term viral. Like, I don't love using that because viralism comes and goes. Mm-hmm. Great. You had one video go viral. Where's your sustained relationships with your followers? Where is that loyalty that you're going to get from your followers because they care about you and they care about your content and what you're providing them is important to them? So that's I don't like the viral thing because of that. So I actually try to use non-viral things as examples as well in the classroom. Or if I use a viral example, I'll say, and how can this be debunked is what I call it. Like, how can we debunk this viral video? Or like, why do we think this went viral? And how could it be replicated? Or how could it not be replicated in a different setting? Um, Because that's normally, it is normally just like the perfect compilation of all these trends that hit at one time. Like, oh, they picked the right dance with the right song and the right hashtags. 
in the TikTok for you page said, let's put it in everyone's faces. Yeah. Not necessarily because there was any storytelling or any connection to their audience involved. That's why they have one viral video and still only 1,500 followers on the platform. Mm -hmm. Well said. Yeah, I I don't think going viral is all it's cracked up to be either. And I, I think that's another stigma or misconception when you do social media that that's the main goal. That is not the main goal. There's, like you said, you want a true relationship with your audience. You don't want this flash in the pan success that is just going to come and go. So that is great advice and and wisdom. (laughs) So speaking of advice, I would love to know what advice would you share with a potential student who is interested in studying social media? So someone that should be in your class, but doesn't know it yet. I would say to follow those resources that I shared earlier and start trying to implement the things they talk about. And if you find any hint of joy in that, then you should sign up for my class because we're going to do that tenfold. And if you See, I'm also very big on LinkedIn. Love a LinkedIn. Good LinkedIn. Don't love don't love a poor poorly executed LinkedIn profile. Mm-hmm. But I'm always on LinkedIn. Like I I check that thing every day because I'm sharing internships and jobs and opportunities and freelance roles and contract work because I want my network to know what's out there. But also because the more you look at jobs that are out there, the more you find, "Oh my goodness, I want to do that." So also, if you look at a job and it has some form of social media, sign up for my class because I'm going to get you prepared to then apply for a role like that and be the best candidate for the position because of that agency style classroom that I host and the real client experience that you're getting. Another pet peeve of mine is when professors use fake scenarios. It drives me nuts. It's just busy work. Yeah. (laughs) Scenarios. It is just busy work. It drives me crazy. That's not going on a portfolio and being impactful. Yeah. And so I start implementing portfolio assignments as early as their freshman year, if I get them that early in the program. So they have something to build upon. And it also helps them see their growth. Like, oh, wow, this is what I did as a freshman. Look at me now as a senior. Like, this is why I am hireable because I've put in the work. Because of Dr. Kate. (laughs) I don't want to take the credit. (laughs) That's not what helps me go to sleep at night or wakes me up in the morning. When they come back to me and they tell me they landed the internship or they got the job or they come back three to five years later as a guest speaker, that of course warms my heart. But at the end of the day, it's not like, it's not like that's my flowers. It's just (laughs) something that makes me so happy for them because- Like I said, I have my dream job. Why shouldn't everyone in this world have their dream job? That is so beautifully said. And like I said before, they are so lucky to have you. You are so influential. You are just setting them up for success. And it's an industry that is so rapidly changing. There's so much going on and there's so much to learn. And you should be really proud of the work that you're doing. And I know you're so proud of your students. So yeah. Lastly. So your students have graduated from your classes. They are off into the real world. I know you're always a phone call away still, but what last words of wisdom would you give to your students or just anyone starting out in this industry in social media? 
to stay up to date. But before anything else to do with the business side, be kind. Like, not only be kind to yourself, but be kind to others. Because you never want to burn bridges in a field that's based on relationships. And that doesn't just mean your client relationships. That means your relationships with your other employees, your boss, your boss's boss, the person at the McDonald's drive-thru or the Starbucks counter. If anything that my students remember, if they remember nothing from the coursework, if all of that is fleeting, if in 10 years all they remember is, Kate told me to be kind, that would be very fulfilling to me. Because at the end of the day, we're all just human beings that need to be good human beings to other people. And this world is such an evil, awful place. And so if you can be that light, if you can be that sunshine in the room, like these little mirrors, if you can be that for someone else, that's going to impact them tenfold. That's going to stick with them. That's what you're going to be remembered for. The one ugly day you have where you go off on someone is not what you want to be remembered. You want to be remembered as that slow-tempered, energetic, super passionate, but kind being that came to work and put in the hard work. I also, I don't love the whole like lazy or non-lazy like approach to things. Work ethic is super important. You don't want someone to even have the chance to call you lazy. So you have to really define, again, that work-life balance for yourself and figure out what do you want to focus in on and then become really good at what you focus in on so you actually have the energy to then go eat dinner with your friends or go bake bread this weekend because you want to learn how to bake bread because of TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) Why am I obsessed with learning how to make focaccia? TikTok. So if you if you focus in and you get really good at what your job needs you to get good at and you do it because you like it and you do it because you want to feel fulfilled at the end of the day, you then have energy for other things. So above all else, be kind. And it's very easy to remember kind Kate. Kate tells us to be kind. Like There you go. Oh, that is, that is again, so beautiful. And I love that we're ending on that note because I mean, this episode is largely about advancing in your career and thinking about your next step and trying to, you know, make waves in this industry, but that's not necessarily what success looks like. It's not a job title. It's not how many followers you have. It's, you know, one of my favorite quotes from Maya Angelou, she says, success is every life that you touch. Mm-hmm. I love that. Because your legacy, I think your legacy is every life that you touch. One of those things. But if you're kind in those moments, that's going to be just so much more powerful than, you know, climbing those corporate ladders. And <laughs> yeah, your tombstone is not going to have your job title or your amount of Instagram followers. And yeah. so that's kind of a morbid way to look at it, but it's true. How do you want people to remember you at the end of the day? Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is, again, a testament to not necessarily having a large community, but just being kind to 
those one-on-one interactions you have mm-hmm. on a day-to-day basis and making a, a difference and helping other people like you do every day. So <laughs> kind Kate, Dr. Kate, this was just so fun. You are so fascinating. You not only have a, a big smart brain, but you have a big heart as well. So I enjoyed this so much. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and your guidance, not only just with your students, but to anyone listening. I want to amplify this as much as I can because more people need to learn from you. So thank you so much. Of course. Yes. And I am, I am what I say I am. I believe in a personal brand. So if anyone needs to find me to ask advice or vent or need help, I'm at the Kate Stewart everywhere. My website, thekatestewart.com, all social media platforms, at the Kate Stewart. Easy, easy. Perfect. I will link everything. And now I'm I'm curious. I'm going to see if you're going to have to update your handles to Dr. Kate Stewart when it happens. Okay. So I, I have created <laughs> such a brand around the Kate Stewart. I don't think I'm going to change it. I think I'm just going to change it like in my name where okay. it says Dr. Kate Stewart. Fair Kate enough. Stewart. Fair enough. Something to think about though. <laughs> it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kate. Thank you so much. This was an absolute blast. And I feel like it's a full circle moment to have you as a listener and now as a guest. This was so fun. Thank you. This was awesome. Thank you. If you're a fan of this podcast, be sure to subscribe or better yet, leave a review. For marketing wisdom with a pop culture twist sent straight to your inbox, sign up for my newsletter at briannefleming.com slash newsletter or find me on Twitter at Brianne2K. As always, thanks for listening.